Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. In the fall each year we all congregate The mouth all gathered at the church of Pilgrim The scriptures reading from the book of months in Our favorite verse, my God, a freshman Drunk and obnoxious, what Georgia face Ain't nothing finer in the lane Now the 3,000 of our best friends It's Saturday and last thing Welcome to the Saturday Athens Podcast. We're a Georgia Bulldogs show by dogs fans for dogs fans. I'm your host, Herschel Gurley, and we are fired up today to be joined by Wix Patton. Wix is a former Georgia football player, a hip-hop recording artist, and a damn good dog. Wix, welcome to the show, man. Man, thank you so much for having me. So I want to start off with you. This is obviously a real exciting time for you. You got a lot going on. You're coming off a 18 show tour where you were playing all throughout the Atlanta and Athens area. You're prepping everything for your upcoming album. Just tell our listeners how they can support you, find you and come see you this summer. So I'd say the best way, I'm always very active on social media, mainly Instagram. So at Wix Patton, W-I-X-P-A-T-T-O-N. As well as, you know, uh, you can go to wixpatton.com and you can find all of my platforms musically and videos and concert dates and merchandise and everything that you may want to find to just, you know, get involved. So tell us about this upcoming album. What's what's our expected drop date? What are, what are the songs going to be? What are you most excited about, about, about this upcoming drop? So right now we've got it down to 10 songs and it's really, really special because basically this whole last tour that we did, was based around the album sorry i'm late so what we did was we were like how can we include our fans and in seeing the growth of me transitioning from a football player to an artist and being able to do all these shows and these meetings and these interviews and these workouts and, and being with these different celebrities and kind of moving through the process i'm switching from different industries you know so basically that's what we did we performed the album everywhere so that you can kind of be watching how everything came together as the music dropped. So the first episode of the docu-series is June 25th. And right now, uh, I think we're planning on dropping the album early August. So we haven't gotten the exact date, mainly because we just had other things. We were shooting the music video for Move That on June 23rd, and it should be dropping that early July. We got another single after that ready to go. And yeah, man, so I'd say with this album, what you can expect is over the last two years, I've been dipping and dabbling in a lot of different genres, a lot of different sounds, kind of finding what I feel like is the Wix Patton sound. You know what I mean? When you hear a certain artist, a lot of times you may hear a beat and you may be like, oh, this is immediately this person. Or you may hear a certain guitar riff or you may hear that voice and immediately you know it's them. So for me, it was about finding what represented who I was and how I'm, you know, bringing out there. Because I have so many influences. So really this album is going to be able to show what type of artist I really am and the different, uh, I'd say, aspects of how I'm coming creatively. 
So it sounds like from a timing perspective, this is going to be perfect for dogs fans looking for the album to be the theme for their tailgate this fall. Is that what you're telling me? That's exactly what I'm telling you. We actually have some very, very exciting shows in Athens uh, that we've, we've partnered with UGA. So definitely should be, it's going to be an amazing season. Not only because of the, the, the team we had this year, but just because of the opportunities. And I feel like just coming off of COVID, everybody coming back together, everybody getting vaccinated, I think it's going to be very special. So I want to kind of rewind with you a little bit. And I want to go back to what, what seems to me like, from knowing a little bit about your story, like the beginning of two paths in your life. And so I want to talk to you about your ninth grade year and kind of the intersection of your sports and music life and the jumping off point for both of those. Can you yeah, just talk about that a little bit? Yeah, no, it's, it's a great question. So it's, it's honestly crazy. So basically, you know, growing up, was a big athlete, you know, got into football around eighth, seventh, eighth grade and was cut from the football team in eighth grade and in ninth grade. And after that happened, I was cut from the basketball team, too. I didn't make either teams. That's when I think I really fell in love with hip hop and music. That's when I was really diving deep. I was spending hours a day writing music, you know, recording music. I put out a mixtape my freshman and sophomore year. It was, it was dropping music and uh, football brought me to music, right? So I got really big into music in high school. After music wasn't really you know, the popping off for me the way that I, you know, I wanted it to, I didn't really have the grades. Uh, I had to, you know, I grew to six, I grew to about six, four. I had, I had a massive growth spurt for my sophomore to junior year. Our best receiver on the team left our high school. And I was like, you know what, why not? I'm gonna go out for the football team again, you know? Went out for football, played that junior season and ended up having a lot of coaches come to meet with my coach and were interested and so, off of that, I decided, you know what, I'm going to really go hard on this. And I'm going to, you know, I'm going I'm to dedicate because these coaches were telling me, you know, we think you're, you're, you're not big enough uh, or you're not fast enough to be a receiver. We think you're more of a tight end. You know, I was a basketball player, so I had that athleticism, but I didn't really have the size. So they were like, you know what, you know, we want to see you transition into that. So started playing tight end and um, got back into football, got picked up by Georgia once the football thing started moving again, obviously I went viral at the Rose Bowl. And once music came back around, you know, it was almost like football brought me to music, music brought me back to football, football brought me back to music. So it's like these things have been coincided in my life over the last few years. And it was almost like music has been such a passion thing for me. And football was one of those things that got me in the door to be able to do everything that I wanted to do and also find myself. You know what I mean? It gave me the discipline. It taught me a lot of uh, – character traits that I've needed to be able to carry on with me in, in what I do now, especially just in a team oriented sense. So it's kind of gone hand in hand. So 2017, obviously a magical year for anybody that's a fan of the dogs. Oh my gosh. I had to be, had to be a special year for you as a member of the team, but yes, most importantly, it created a big time pivot point in your life because you guys win the sec, you go out yep. to Pasadena to play in the Rose bowl. I want you to, kind of go back in time with me to the Thursday night before the Rose Bowl game. You guys head out to the Hollywood Improv and yeah. just walk us through what happened that night and, and what that experience was like for you. It's by far the craziest night of my life. That and probably actually winning the Rose Bowl and, and storming the field with Quavo. That, those are two of the craziest moments. But I'd say being there at that comedy club, you know, Obviously, walking in, I was just expecting to just be sitting there like everybody else, laughing my head off, you know what I mean? And 
we had a bunch of knuckleheads on my team, you know, very, very, very talented players, but a bunch of class clowns. So, of course, everybody was on the stage rapping and freestyling the beats uh, before the comedians came out. And so I'm just sitting there, head down, just kind of vibing, talking to my friends. And I'm sitting there with Stetson Bennett. And actually, he was the one. Uh, Dominic Sanders and Trenton Thompson were on the stage, Davin Bellamy, John Ledbetter. Terry Godwin, Javon Wims, a lot of like, you know, our, our bigger, bigger athletes and uh, Brian Herrien and they were on stage kind of doing their thing, yada, yada. And they're like, all right, before we get off, does anybody want to come up here and just rap real quick? And I was just kind of like sitting there, you know, I wasn't planning on doing nothing. And Stetson Bennett was like, Wicks. And so after Stetson started doing that, the whole team just started chanting in. I think because they probably thought it was just going to be funny because nobody really knew I could rap, but like very very select group of friends, you know? So they started the chant. I go up there and I'm nervous. I'm, I'm a freshman, you know, I'm like 250 pounds. I look like a big Justin Bieber. I'm just kind of like, all right. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, all right, I guess this is like a make or break type of moment. Not really, you know, but like, if I look stupid, then this is going to follow me forever. So get on there and they throw the beat on. And I kind of just, I don't know, something clicked. I just started rapping and as soon as I got off stage, everybody went nuts. Like people, everybody was screaming in the crowd. There were phone lights and Roquan Smith ran back on stage and was like, nah, 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 you got to do that one more time. So I was like, oh. So I went back on stage and uh, I freestyled. And that was the moment where Brian Herring was next to me. And he was just kind of like, everybody was <laughs> like, yo, like we never knew it was like this. So it was an amazing moment because I feel like I connected with my teammates. I connected with the fan base. I got to show a side of me that most of everybody didn't know, you know, because that was music was something that I kind of put in the past to focus on the football thing. And it was cool because so much of my heart and identity lied with music. So it was almost like everybody kind of got to see a different side of me and got a different respect seeing me rap. And then through that, you know, um, it's just a crazy night. I got the nickname that they tweeted out the white Migos, mainly because obviously the Migos were, were big in UGA's culture that year. And if you've heard of the comedian Chris D'Elia, he was on stage and he was like, oh, who is that? The White Migos? Da, 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 da. So everybody thought that was funny. So that's kind of where that came from. And from there, man, you know, we just kept, kept rapping, kept doing shows and just kind of kept it moving. Yeah. So you guys get back. You play in the national championship game. The season concludes. And then you and Tyreek McGee record Woe There and you put it on Sound, SoundCloud. Yeah. What was what was the response to that? It was crazy. I remember just being super nervous to put it out. So before we put the song out, the song was circulating like amongst all of our teammates at Georgia. So they were playing in the locker room. Everybody was kind of vibing to it. And me and Tyree were just like, you know what, man, let's just put it out. So we put it out on SoundCloud and almost immediately like two UGA articles picked it up and they and they posted it. And we were like, oh, wow, this is crazy. And then all of our teammates started posting it. And obviously the UGA fan base is so is so strong, so loyal that when the players started putting it out, the fans jumped on it. So then it really just kind of exploded. And we were like, dang, you know, maybe we should <laughs> go back to the studio and make some more music. This is fun. You know, it's like it's it's obviously a fun thing to do. So we went and we made a, a EP. We made, I think, five to six songs. And we decided to call it the Experiment EP because we wanted to see what would happen if two college football players got together and put out a recording album. We just we wanted to see what would happen, you know, because this first song was cool. So we were like, what's going to happen next? So we put that out and almost immediately the reaction was was crazy. You know, we started to get these offers to do these shows and 
a lot of these booking uh, venues and stuff thought it was so cool to be able to have two UGA football player rappers. You know what I mean? And we were bringing out our teammates. So we were really doing something that I've never – I was talking to Brian Herring yesterday, and we felt like it's something that has never happened before. You know what I mean? It was literally like all of our teammates, like Justin Fields and Isaiah Wilson and everybody, they would be on stage with us. And we'd literally be performing in front of hundreds of people with like just turning up. And I'm like, oh, I've never heard of anybody else ever doing that. But it became, you know, one of those things where I was kind of internally like, you know, this is something I could probably do with my life, you know? Um, I've always wanted to be an artist, but I was doing shows. I was getting booked. Uh, we were putting music out. And after the experiment, I decided I was going to put out my own first song. Well, no, I dropped a UGA anthem. I dropped Go Dogs. And so after I put out Go Dogs, that was something they started playing in the practices and meetings. And I felt like I wanted something that was for the fans and that was for our team that would represent that year. You know, it was already a powerful year. We were doing our thing. And I was like, you know what? We need a new theme song. So I dropped that. And then I decided off of that, I was like, you know what? I need to go ahead and drop something that is, you know, musically representative of what I feel like I'm able to do. And that's when I put out 100 miles. So during that sophomore year, about five nights a week, I was driving to Atlanta after our practices. You know, we'd wake up in the morning, have early morning workout, then we'd have tutoring, then we'd have class, then we would go back, have more meetings, and then we would have practice, and then we'd go back and do tutoring, and then I'd go drive an hour and a half to Atlanta, record for three to four hours, uh, sometimes do appearances, and then drive all the way back, and then do it all over again. So I was basically doing both almost like how I felt full time. You know, I felt like I was putting in the work to continue being a UGA football player, continuing to, to give my obligations because my heart was so deep in football, but... At the same time, you know, I was so in love with what the music side of it was. You know, like I said, I gave it up essentially before. So it was like having that opportunity. I told myself, I was like, you know what? Like, if I'm going to be able to have people offer me studio time and want to help invest in me, how can I, you know, turn it down when it's something I've always wanted? So I was just doing both. I was driving myself almost crazy just the amount of work I was putting in. But um, that's kind of how things went. I dropped 100 miles, and in that first month, they hit 100,000 streams. And after that happened, the NCAA compliance reached out to our UGA compliance and was basically like, you look, he's profiting off of the UGA's likeness and the NCAA's likeness, and this is why we think he's getting the streams he's getting and he's getting the attention he is, and he's, he's profiting off of, you know, platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. And, you know, obviously me, you know, Spotify and Apple Music pay you like a penny every day thousand streams you know what I mean it's not it's nothing you know what I mean and I was just putting it out there because I felt like essentially it was just going to reach more people and give more accessibility you know everybody has their different platforms whether it's social platforms or it's music platforms or even shopping you know so I thought why not just give it to everybody so they faced me with the decision they said look if you want to continue to play football at Georgia you're gonna have to take down all the music all the posts everything that you've basically done leading up to this point otherwise yeah you know you have to make that decision so I took about an hour, two hours. I'd already been marinating that year on what I wanted to do um, as far as if I felt like, you know, I should continue playing or if I should chase that dream to go ahead. Or, you know, because at the same time, you go to college to find your career. You find that you get your resume, you kind of find yourself, you, you tap into your major and you kind of get the, the credibility of the qualities that you need to go in and, and, and get that job in the real world. So I felt like I was already doing everything that a professional artist was doing, you know, in, in the industry. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to take my chance. I'm going to finish out the season. 
and I'm going to go ahead and keep going forward. I felt like everything that you do in life is, is momentum based. So I feel like me as an artist, everything that I had kind of created around my name, the songs we were doing, I was like, this is not something that I could just stop for two years and try to pick back up on it and, and have people care. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's not like yep. that. So, and also I realized that just like in any profession, if I want to be successful as an artist, people only care so long to hear the UGA football player that raps. You know what I mean? I knew that if people are going to listen to me, I got to be giving quality music just like The Weeknd or Justin Bieber or Taylor Swift or, you know, whoever you listen to, right? You got to have that same quality. People aren't going to sit there and tune into Wix Patton and bump him on a daily basis because he was that guy from UGA. You know what I mean? So I kind of understood that and understood that my heart was in music and I knew that if I put in the same type of work that I did for football with music, I knew I would be very successful. I knew that that was creatively something that came naturally for me. You know what I mean? And so, like I said, I took all the principles and all the qualities and characteristics that I took from football and that discipline and, and, and applied it to music and then hit the ground running, man. As soon as I dropped out, kind of just three days later, I met Don Perry, who's the one who organized Atlantic Global Music, the label I'm signed with now. He got the different partners. He got the different team. He built a team and they signed me as the first artist and we've kind of just hit the ground running. So I want to flesh two things out from that story because one of them I think is really important and has been a theme across the interviews we've done with folks that are on an entrepreneurial path. Yeah. And that is a lot of times the world at large sees the end product Yeah. and they think, Oh yeah, man, overnight success. And they've had this and they've had that. But I think your story is, is really indicative and I'm glad you talked about it because it's the piece of your story. I don't think gets enough credit. And that's the fact that, you were doing all of your obligations as a student athlete, which I was a student athlete as well. It's a full-time job. And then you were leaving that to then go and chase your other dream. And so I guess tell our listeners the passion that takes and what drove you to pursue both simultaneously and just attack that dream. Man, I used to, so I would be in the locker room, you know, the day after, you know, that people would see my stories of me in the studio three, four in the morning and then seeing me get up at 7 a.m. to be at tutoring or whatever it was. And I knew when guys like DeAndre Baker and Nick Chubb were telling me that I was crazy for the amount of work I was putting in, I knew I had to be doing something right. You know what I mean? Like, I felt like it was character building at the same time. You know, I, it was almost like I was showing myself, like, this is how bad I wanted. You know what I mean? Essentially, it was like... If I'm going to do something, I want to do it to the to the maximum. You know what I mean? I don't want to be somebody who's just halfway doing something. I almost feel like it's disrespectful to whatever it is you're doing. You know what I mean? It's almost like for me to call myself an artist when I'm just a college football player who dropped a couple songs, you know, I'm not in the studio, I'm not doing shows, I'm not doing this, this, this. I almost feel like that's disrespectful. You know what I mean? Um, so I just I put in the work. You know, I put the time in doing everything that I felt like I needed to do to, to be able to keep moving. But that's the thing, you know, like I, my grades were slipping, you know what I mean? And that was what the tough part was. I put the time and I put the work in because I feel like that's what anybody has to do. Same thing as training for Georgia, you know, it's just like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm able to, you know, here's another thing. Here's another thing that I missed out on was we're so blessed in the day and age we are to have interviews, to have podcasts, to be able to see the people who are already incredibly successful talk about how they did it, the work they put in. And one person that really, really inspired me was Kobe Bryant. 
and uh, and Michael Jordan even and their and their uh, documentaries. You know what I mean? And just hearing their mentality. If you if if we have the ability to sit there and see the way that they think, the work they put in, and see the outcome, you ask yourself, how bad do you want it? Because you can sit there and see what you have to do to get there. You know what I'm saying? And you know internally if you have that passion to put that to to put that work in. Because if you don't love what you're doing, you're not going to do it. It's almost like you have to be slightly obsessed because you, you can't really turn the work off. You're always thinking about it. You're thinking about this, you're thinking about this, you're doing different moves. So that's just one of the things that I understood and I took that very, very seriously, you know? And I'm, I'm, my peers were, were people who were planning on being first round draft picks. You know what I'm saying? Second round draft picks. Everybody that was around me, the way that they spoke was when I get to the league, you know what I mean? Or when I do this, when I get this, when I do this, it was very manifestation. It wasn't, I hope so, or it'd be cool, or it'd be awesome, or this. It was, I'm going to do this. That was our expectation. You know what I'm saying? So being around that type of mentality, I think it's just a dog mentality in general. You know what I mean? Having coaches like Sinclair and, you know, it's crazy, man. When I met with Coach Smart and I, and I talked to him about making that decision, and when I talked to Coach Chaney and I talked to my different coaches, you know, they all were honestly supportive in my decision solely because they knew the type of work I was putting in and because they saw what I was doing and they believed that, you know, like it'd be just like anybody finding a job, you know, they kind of saw right. that, that this was something that I could be very successful in. So they supported me on it and they've continued to support me on it. They still check in. And, uh, you know, that's, that's the one thing I love about UGA's culture. So I'll forever, you know what I mean? Be repping the dogs. I'll always be doing shows in Athens. I'm going to always do everything I can to support and, I love the fans. I love the atmosphere. There's literally nothing like Georgia. So those are the main things that I would say component-wise is everything that you want to know on how to make it happen is out there. I love how you frame that. And check me on my timeline on this, but Trevor Moad was working with y'all when you were there, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so a lot of the stuff that you talk about is great because it mimics the mindset he talks about in his book, It Takes What It Takes. And he essentially says, look, choice is an illusion. Yeah. There's, you know, the path to get to where you want to go. And it's just doing the steps to get there. And I think you bring up a great point about, look, if I have a goal, there are plenty of roadmaps out there to show me what the steps are. And then I just have to make the decision about, am I going to do the work or not? Yeah. And that's what I think is beautiful about your story is you obviously made the choice to do the work and are continuing to do the work. And that's why we have no doubt you'll be successful. So I love that piece of your story. Um, the other part of it I want to talk about, which again, I feel like doesn't get enough pub is, you know, a lot of the stories that are written about you are like, Oh, ho-hum. The NCAA came to him and said, you got to either uh, play football and take down all your music or keep your music up and stop playing football. Like, that's like just, that conversation on, on, on what decision would you make? You know, what would you, what would you do? I think that's yeah. why a lot of, that's why they keep it simple, you know? And, and I think it's crazy because it's, it's an impossible decision, right? You've got two things that you love and are really passionate about. So I'm just interested to know, you know, what that decision was like for you, how difficult it was. And if there are days where you miss football or you kind of go, look, at this point, the trade was worth it. I got all I wanted out of both things or, or just kind of where you sit with all that. Well, I'll tell you this. I know that I made the right decision. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Based off of the last year and what's happened comparatively to 
what's happened with football. You know what I'm saying? I think things have blasted off in, in, in ways I haven't even expected. So I'd say I think I made the right decision, but it was so it was such a hard decision because not only do I love the game of football, but I love my teammates. I love the atmosphere. I love everything about being a Georgia Bulldog. You know what I mean? And I knew what I was going to have to do. You know, I knew that walking away from UGA meant I was going to have to move back home with my parents. It meant that I was going to have to essentially restart. It meant I was going to have to basically be at ground zero with all the other artists out here, millions trying to make it. But it's that mindset of knowing what I'm able to do. You know what I'm saying? Knowing that, okay, bet, now it's an even playing field, but this is the type of person I am, this type of way I think, and this type of talent I have to go and compete with anybody. You know what I mean? And it's crazy because it's not even like you're competing with artists. You know what I mean? It's just you're just putting yourself out there. But you know what I'm saying? Um, I can't help but have a competitive mindset a little bit. I'm a dog. You know, I'm a, I'm, I'm a football player. But, yeah, I mean, I miss it. You know, me and my girl were at G-Day, you know, not too long ago. And the whole time, I love G-Day, man, because it's just like you just sit there and just watch all my teammates that I've grown with. And, and, and now they're starting. You know what I mean? And now they're out there making moves. You know, I was with Eric Stokes the other day, and it was just – amazing to sit you know me and him came in together you know and yeah we used to have conversations about the things that we wanted to do and, and you know you see people actively making it happen he him getting drafted and Justin Fields he's one of my best friends and him signing the paperwork for the Bears the other day it's amazing you know what I mean and so I miss it all the time but I know I made the right decision because I think it was necessary for everything that's happened already for it to happen, it had to happen this way, you know? I think even if, let's say I didn't ever play football and I would have just been an artist, it wouldn't have been, wouldn't have been right. Everything that's happened to this point happened for a reason. I believe that because it's almost like it's completed a big puzzle. Yeah, so we were at G-Day too, which was awesome because, yeah. and not just because of the event. I mean, I think it was cool because people were back and there was so much excitement about this upcoming season, which we think is going to be so explosive. But it was really cool, to your point, to see how many guys were back, like yeah. guys that yeah. were there supporting the program. Mm -hmm. And I think that gets left out of the narrative of what Coach Smart's, I think, building culturally yeah. is that guys want to be back. They want to be there. They oh, want no. to support it. Trust me, they want to be there. Like Coach Smart knows what he's doing, man. He, he knows what he's doing. The, the coaching staff know what they're doing. The camaraderie is incredible. You know, I – I'm really close with, you know, a lot of my teammates that are still playing currently. So I'm always asking, you know, what's going on, what we look like, this and that. And the team's strong this year. I think I think this year's going to be special. We've asked some of the other artists that we've chatted with about the parallels between being an athlete and being an artist. Oh, my most, God. Most, most notably that at the end of the day, both of them, you're performers, right? And, and the other piece of it is, I think, having the moxie and having the confidence to uh, when the red light comes on and all the eyes are on you and you're on the stage to perform, right? Yeah. I mean, have you found the parallels between those two things in your journey? Definitely. Definitely. And somebody who I think also put it in really great terms is actually Quavo. Quavo said when he's recording in the studio, he almost feels like he's in the gym. You know what I mean? Like Kevin Durant would be in the gym. You know what I mean? He's in there getting his shots up. He's getting everything together. That's how he feels in the studio. He literally sits in there by himself and records himself and just does it all. You know what I mean? It's just in there, locked in. It's, it's laser focused. You know what I mean? When, when being creative in the studio as comparatively to, to being in the gym in football, it's, it's laser focused. And 
I'd say there's definitely parallels. You know, you're, you're getting out in front of the crowd. You know, football, you know, you're with your team and you're doing your obligation. Um, when you're performing, though, actually, this is, this is where I can draw a parallel, is when you're on the field, you're locked into a mental focus. It's almost like you're in a zone. You don't see the crowd. You don't really hear the noise. You are locked in. On stage, I feel like I go into another zone. It's crazy. Comparatively from when you're maybe out in the crowd and you're watching to being on stage, you, you go into a zone where you don't, at least I do. You know what I'm saying? To where I feel like everything is almost blacked out and I'm kind of just in, I'm just doing it. You know what I mean? And then obviously feeling the crowd's energy is all the better, but the crowd could be standing there staring at me or they could be lit. And I'm gonna honestly give the same performance because my energy doesn't change. You know what I mean? Because it's something that I feel inside. It's like it's a zone. You know what I mean? Same yep. thing with football. That's why you see those guys performing, doing what they do, whether there's a crowd or not. You know what I mean? Because it's just that, it's that performance aspect, just like you said. It's that mental focus. All right, we want to close with you today with how we close with all our guests. We do something called the Smart 16. It's okay. 16 quick hitting kind of questions in honor of Coach Smart. So we're going to start off with what's your middle name? Weathersby, my mom's maiden name. Love that. All right. So we do this second question a little bit different when guys played at Georgia. So usually the second question is who's your favorite dog of all time? So we're going to give you a little dual question is who's your favorite dog when you were a fan, but also who was your favorite teammate uh, when you were at Georgia? My favorite dog was Champ Bailey. And I actually got to meet him about two weeks ago at G-Day um, at a, like a like event for Rennie Curran. I got to meet him and he's honestly like, he was probably the reason I was a Georgia fan. And then also the reason I was a Broncos fan, I had his fat head up on my wall. And so now he's kind of like a big brother and it's crazy, you know, um, but that's, that's, that's my favorite dog. My favorite teammate. Hmm. That's such a hard question. Give me a countdown. <laughs> Give me a countdown. Okay. Uh, I'm going to get you in trouble by making you pick, right? <laughs> all right. I'll say my favorite teammate is probably Brian Harrion. I'd say Brian Harrion. Brian Harrion, Tyreek McGee, or Elijah Holyfield. That's so I'd, good say, I'd probably say Brian Harrion, though, because he's hilarious. And he's just somebody who's such a great energy. He works so hard. You know, you can sit there and you can model his work ethic and how hard he works. But also, he's just so poised. You know, he keeps so energetic. He's hilarious. He keeps everybody positive. You know, I'd say he's probably my favorite teammate. But there's so many. You know, there's so many different qualities from different players that I admired and I appreciated so much. You know, that definitely rubbed off on me. So, I'd have to say those guys. Jacob Beeson as well. Jacob Beeson was a really, really good teammate to me. And uh, it was kind of like a big brother to me. Isaac Nada, too. See, that's what I'm saying. I keep, it keeps rolling. I'm like, oh, what about him? What about him? What about him? What about him? So, right. yeah, I'd say those guys. What's your favorite game you were ever part of as a dog? Rose Bowl, for sure. All right. What is your, what's your favorite rivalry that the dogs have? Definitely not Georgia Tech. Auburn. I think the reason why not Georgia Tech was because <laughs> – they would make if you weren't the starting like if you weren't first team or second team, you were having to play as Georgia Tech in practice for like <laughs> for like a, one one day a week all the way leading up to Georgia Tech week, and then literally you're having to run the what's it called the uh their, what's their offense like the uh, like triple option 
triple option, man. The yeah. triple freaking option. So I hated that because we'd have to be on all fours <laughs> to go against our starting defense, which is trash because none of us ran that before. You know what I'm saying? But anyways, that has nothing to do with the rivalry. But anyways, yeah. So I'd say I'd say Auburn. I think that's the toughest rivalry. Them and Alabama for sure. Auburn has been a very popular answer, and it was kind of surprising to us. Like, we thought when we started, Florida would be the pick. But, man, it's been Auburn pretty much 90% of the time. Yeah. Florida is a big one, too, though. Florida is definitely a big one. What's your favorite away stadium in the Southeastern Conference? Notre Dame. Oh, no, Southeastern Conference. Southeastern Conference. Okay. You see, I'll jump to sit Notre Dame. (laughs) Well, that's that's a the Georgia Notre Dame game was so sick. I, that's why I just yeah, it was cool. All right, my fault. All right, SEC Stadium. Well, obviously the dogs because it's like it's home, so I got the best experience. But yeah. loudest Tennessee was the loudest. Tennessee was definitely cool, but at the end of the day, you know they're cheering against us, so it's kind of like I'd say Georgia for sure. Yes. Sanford, Sanford's tough to beat. So what is the loudest home game you ever experienced between the hedges? Oh, um, I want to say, I don't know. Maybe Georgia-Auburn. It was a couple different games that were just extremely loud. What do you – yeah, I don't know. What, what about you? Oh, man, I mean, there's been a few. I was, I was there in 03 for okay. the Georgia-Auburn game that year. And I thought the stadium was going to fall down because it was that's so loud. What that's what I'm saying. It was so freaking loud, the Georgia yeah. Auburn game. I, I don't know if there was anything that could beat that. Yeah, so I'm trying to think timeline-wise. You were there 18 season. Yeah, I was there the year going to the national championship, and then I was yeah. there going to the Sugar Bowl. So those two seasons. Trying uh, to think it. Texas. Yeah, I'm trying to think 18 season. Yeah, I mean, Auburn game that year, was that was a loud one. Yeah, that one's tough to beat, too. I feel like South, Deep South's oldest rivalry is always going to pop a little bit in the stadium. So, yeah, I think yeah, that's a good you know, one. Because Auburn can travel, you know what I mean? And Yeah. But it's, so it's like it's, it's there's a lot of fans, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's yeah. pretty mixed crowd, so everybody's loud. All right, I, I think I know the answer to this one because it's kind of yeah. built in, but I'm going to give you a 1A and a 1B on this. So you get to choose the headlining act at the Georgia Theater. Who do you choose? <laughs> Why is it? Why you think you know who it is? Well, I mean, I feel like one has got to be you, right? <laughs> yeah, it's definitely me. I guess I, I guess I was thinking of uh, if, if I could bring somebody. Yeah, well, let's do that. Let's say let's say Wix Patton is the headliner, and who's going to open for you that night? Your dream opener. I mean, for sure Drake, but Drake Drake couldn't do the Georgia Theater because he would sell it out in like five minutes. <laughs> Yeah, they have, Drake, to have or a Justin Bieber or somebody big. You know, I've gotten to open for a substantial amount of artists that I've been fans of uh, over this past year, and it's been amazing. You know what I mean? Um, but I'd, I'd have to say just somebody big. You know, I think I think as far as Athens, I would love to do a show with T Pain. I just did a show with T Pain and Buckhead, and we have a song together. And I feel like if we were to do a show in Athens, it would go absolutely nuts because. Oh, and I did a show with uh, Roscoe Dash recently in Athens. You know, like oh, yeah, artists yeah. like that, you know, Waka Flocka. I did a show with him. Like artists like that, you know what I mean, that just have those hits. It's just so fun. You know well, what I, I mean? Think, I mean, I think this is just manifesting right now. I think you need to start manifesting that and make that happen. Oh, man. You already know. <laughs> so, 
All right. What is the cocktail you're mixing for the world's largest outdoor cocktail party? I've become recently a huge fan of Casamigos. <laughs> you had Casamigos tequila? Yeah. I'll probably put a little Casamigos. I'll probably put a little stri- uh, Sprite, a little cranberry juice. I'm not much of a bartender, but I know what I like. I- if I'm going to drink some dark liquor, I'll probably have some some Crown Apple. Look, my girlfriend making this face. <laughs> nah, Crown Apple and then Casamigos. And then if I'm having vodka, I'll take some Ciroc. But Casamigos is what my go-to cocktail game day drink would be for sure. All right, you're back in Athens for one meal. What's your favorite place to eat in Athens? Oh, my gosh. Polly's. That's a good one. I was going to say Tzatziki's. I love Tzatziki's food so much, but I love Polly's because I just – Polly's is definitely the first restaurant I'm going to. Like, if I go to Athens and I'm here, I'm doing stuff, first place I'm going is to see Ben Worthy at Polly's Athens. So, for sure. All right. Did you have any game day superstitions when you were still playing football and or do you have any day of show superstitions before you go out on stage? Yes. I have to do 10 touch jumps and 10 jumping jacks. I do a prayer and I'd say those are the main things. I do a lot of pacing. You know, I'm like a deep thinker. So like when I was in the locker room, I would do a lot of pacing. I would do a lot of just like I'm just thinking, thinking, thinking. When I'm backstage in the show, Usually I'll kind of just like right before we go on, it'll just be me and my videographer and he'll be kind of filming me and I'll kind of just be pacing around. I'll kind of just be thinking, I'll pray, I'll do the touch jumps, I'll do the jumping jacks and I kind of just go run it. You know what I mean? That's the same thing with football, but I'd say, you know, just to give you a little insider, y'all might already know this, but just for the fans, I think my favorite superstition I've seen of anybody at Georgia is what Rodrigo Blankenship does. Have you, have you heard about what he does in the locker room? No, I need, we need to hear about this. So, Rodrigo Blankenship, what he did before every game and during every halftime was he would go in the middle of the locker room and lay completely flat with his eyes closed, arms spread out, legs spread out, and would just lay there. <laughs> That's fantastic. It was, it was the most bizarre, but it was like – you just know his mental focus was just so crazy. And that's why I said I would pace or, you know, everybody in the locker room would have – there's just so – everybody gets in that zone because it's like, you know, you're going to war. So and yeah. then as far as me as a performer, I just got to get my heart rate going. I got to get my blood flowing. Like I'm going out there to just, you know, I got to move. So those are my superstitions, the 10 touch jumps and then the jumping jacks and a prayer. All right, what is your favorite Sanford Stadium pregame tradition, whether it's dog walk or Larry Munson coming over the airwaves uh, after the lone trumpet? Like, what, what's your favorite? What gets you to hype us? Man, I love the dog walk, but I can't lie. It's just because it just makes every Georgia player kind of feel himself a little bit. You know, you walking through, everybody's <laughs> going crazy. You kind of like, you know, you got your suit on. you feeling real fresh. you walking through, you know, you're going to slap a couple high fives, hug mama real quick. I think I love that aspect of it. But the most special aspect by far is definitely fourth quarter, lights go off, it goes red, and we put in the fours up. There's no, there's no tradition like that anywhere, anywhere. I don't care. The feeling of everybody coming together to do that, it's like everybody knows what time it is. You can't help but get chills. Yeah, that, it's hard to beat that, man. That, that's just so electric. That's one of those things where the, the hair just stands up on your arm with that. Oh, my All God. Right. Yeah. All right, black jerseys, yes or no? Yes. Yes. And I never 
we never pulled him out for when I was there, and I'm super mad. <laughs> All I right, what I, is... a black, I think I own a black jersey of mine, but I don't think we ever wore him while I was there. I feel like that's one of those things. If you go back and play the Georgia Theater, they ought, they ought to bring one of those out. We're going to have to talk to the equipment guys about that and make that happen. They got to make it happen. And you know what is crazy is that everybody used to – before every game, we'd be like, man, I really hope we pull those black jerseys out. Like, I think this is going to be the week. Everybody would be talking about it. It would be like a little rumor going around. Man, Coach Smart ain't pulled it out for two years because we lost one game wearing the black jerseys. Never pulled them out again. I think Coach Smart is very superstitious. I can't lie. I feel like he's – He's so intense. He 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 wants things to be exactly the way that's in his head. I guarantee you he's like, nah, we're never wearing them again. <laughs> All right. What is the loss you're still not over? Come on, man. It's the only one championship, man. Yeah, it's it's pretty much a unanimous answer for everybody that we've had on, whether they were there then or whether they were a fan or whatever. I mean, that that's the one, man. We're, that was we're one of the, like most must say that was like the most crazy mood switch I've ever felt in my life. I know I keep saying ever in my life, but that's because it's been a crazy, it was my, it was a crazy time while I was there, but literally on the field celebrating Davin Bellamy makes the sack. We knock him back like five, six yards. I have my arm around Quavo. We're jumping up and down. Me and my team. Ah! <laughs> in the middle of us jumping down, up and down, all of a sudden we look up. Ball goes through, through the air. Catch it. Touchdown. End of the game. Season over. And we lost. That was the craziest thing ever. Yeah, I can't I imagine how those guys felt on the field, you know, but it was devastating. Everybody was crying on the bus. Everybody was sick. And nobody spoke a single word in the locker room afterwards. It was just silence. All right. This one we're probably going to have to change. We've asked it on every interview, but. It just came out like three or four weeks ago that they're tearing the one in Athens down, but we're still going to ask it because it's still standing. What is your order at the varsity? First of all, man, you're killing it with these questions. All these questions are incredible. The varsity, I'm for sure going to pig out. I'm getting apple pie. I'm getting a frosted orange. I'm going to probably get four naked dogs. (laughs) I'm going to get some french fries. That's probably it, but that's still a crazy amount. That's enough to mess your stomach up for like two days. I mean, this just tells me one thing, Wix. This just means you can come and eat with me and boss whenever you want. You're right on par with us. <laughs> nah, next time, hey, we get together, we in Athens, you already know. I'm, I'm Varsity is on me, and we are going crazy. I haven't had varsity in maybe a year. All right, there ought to be a constitutional amendment outlawing noon kickoffs, yes or no? <laughs> <laughs> yes, there should definitely be. Nobody, especially because I've seen college kids get up at seven in the morning and start pre-gaming for these for these football games, and that's not safe at noon. To, to <laughs> no. And look, me and boss me and boss are old now. Like we need some time, man. I can't be getting up that early and like getting after it. Like I need a little grace period. <laughs> yeah, like like let. <laughs> Let everybody get set up. Nobody's trying to get up at 6.30 in the morning to get ready for a George, get ready for the game. So I agree. That should be – they should put the band hammer down on that. Yeah, I mean, Congress, like, let's, let's do the important things here. Let's get on this. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'll, make, I'll make a couple calls for you, man. I got you. Yeah, yeah. All right. 
last question. And again, we're going to probably have to change this one too because college football playoff committee has been, been doing some work here. But our question used to be expand to eight teams or find how it is. Well, now they come out this week and tell us we're about to pop to 12. So I'll ask it to you this way. Are you cool with it going to 12 or did you like it at four how it, it is and I guess soon will be was? No, nah, it needs to be 12. It should have always been 12. The way I see it is that, like, it's how to do it in the, in the professional. That's how I do it in the league, you know? I yep. feel like it gives more teams a shot, you know, because a team can lose their second game of the season, win out, you know what I mean, and not make it. So it's yep. like a lot of times these teams, man, they, they build throughout the year, and then they get to their best towards the end. And so I feel like you never know what could happen. You know, that's why I feel like more teams should be involved. And plus it just be better for the fans. It just be better for everyone. You know what I mean? It gives teams more of a chance to make it. It makes it more interesting and it makes it more fun for the fans. So I'm all about the 12, the 12, uh, 12 teams. Yeah, us too, man. I agree with that. I just think uh, we talk about this on the show a lot, but for me, I don't know that there's a sport out there where the team is more of a living, breathing organism that develops over the course of a season in football. Oh, yeah. Like the team that you are Labor Day weekend is not the team you are SEC championship weekend. It's two different oh, my units. But you got to understand that you have new guys learning the offense. You have people learning the speed. You have people getting more comfortable, more confident. So over time, you know what I mean? It's just like you sharpen what you're lacking in. There's so much film watching, too, in that time that you can't help but get better. You know what I'm saying? You can't help but sharpen everything that you're doing, fix your deficiencies, get stronger. You're, you're your best team towards the end of the season, I'd say. Yeah. All right, Wicks, that's the conclusion of the Smart 16. You survived. You're off the hot seat. We appreciate you indulging us with that. <laughs> Let's go. Those are, those are the hardest questions I've ever had to answer. <laughs> All right, brother. Well, hey, man, we really appreciate you coming and hanging with us, telling us your story. Um, sure. One more time, tell us where everybody can follow you on social, um, where they can stream your music, all those things. We want everybody to support you in every way they can. Man, I appreciate it. So you can follow me or you can stream Wix Patton, W-I-X-P-A-T-T-O-N. You can look me up on all social medias or you can look me up on all music platforms. Please tap in. If you're a Georgia fan, make sure you DM me and I will follow you back because I love y'all and I would love to just stay connected with all the Georgia fans. So I appreciate y'all so much. All right, y'all. Make sure and do that. Make sure y'all go and follow Wix. Keep track on his music. Get that album when it drops here in August. Bump it at the tailgate all fall. Make it the theme of the 2021 campaign. It's going to be a magical one. Well, Wix, man, we're rooting for you, brother, and we will keep keep throwing it out. You, you're welcome to come hang out with us whenever you want, man. Yes, sir. You already know. Thank you for having me, man. All right, brother. As we always say, go dog sick them. Yes, sir. Hey, George is better now.